Welcome to Rito Seeks Romance Channel's Romance Roundup. I am Liz Donatelli. And I'm Libby Kay, author of the sweet romance series, Buckeye Falls. Libby and I share our favorite romance books of 2023. And we chat with author Kelly Olert about her rom-com, Let's Get Quizzical. Listen and subscribe to Romance Roundup on Podbean and all podcast apps. Watch Romance Roundup on Reader Seeks Romance channel and subscribe on YouTube. Libby, let the roundup begin. Okay, giddy up, Liz, here we go. So my first book is one that I actually talked about wanting to read this year, and I am fortunately here to say that it is one of my favorites of the year, and it is You With a View by Jessica Joyce. Uh, this came out back in July of this year from Berkeley. Um, this is a standalone romance. It's also Jessica Joyce's debut. And um, it's one of those books as a writer, I was almost angry reading it because it was so good. And I'm like, how the hell is her first book this good? Uh, but it is. And I'm excited as a reader for that. So um, the tropes of this one are all of our favorites, um, kind of enemies slash rivals to lovers. Um, and I think everybody's certain favorite, which is the one bed slash forced proximity trope. I mean, give me mm -hmm. a break. I, oh, that's yeah. why we're all here as readers. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the general premise is we have two high school enemies who are reunited for a road trip inspired by um, their grandparents' broken engagements. Um, Noelle and Theo uh, were high school rivals, and she has no plans to ever talk to this man again until uh, her grandmother passes away. And Noelle is going through some uh, family keepsakes from her grandmother and discovers pictures and letters from a man that is not her grandfather. And so Noelle is kind of at a crossroads professionally and takes this opportunity to kind of put out uh, into the you know social network world of um, who is this man with my grandmother? And uh, lo and behold, and I'm not spoiling anything because this is literally the premise of the book. Yes. Uh, lo and behold, <laughs> Theo is uh, the grandson of the man in the picture. And so they are thrown back together um, when she goes over to talk to his grandfather, Paul, who I have just have to say, I want him to be a real person. And I want Paul to be my grandpa because the writing Aww. on his character is just so sweet and he's romantic and he's mm -hmm. sweet and he's funny. And it's just like everything you would want, like the poster person for the perfect grandfather to be. Aww. Like I cannot say enough good things about him. He was adorable. The banter on this book is amazing. Um, the sexual tension is perfect. The pacing with it, like Jessica Joyce doesn't give anything away too soon. Every little interaction is well earned by the characters. And as a reader, I was like, yes, finally, this is amazing. And I think one of the other things to mention with this is, and I, know, I always seem to talk about grief in books, but the portrayal of grief in this book is so authentic. Um, how she describes uh, memories with yeah. her grandmother and how she's, think, you know, kind of healing on the road while they do this road trip. Um, it just felt so authentic. And I will admit, I had a few moments where I was thinking about my own Nana and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, she didn't leave me any like, you know, lost love letters or a scavenger hunt to go on or anything like that. Um, for this one, uh, I certain parts of it just stuck with me. And um, just the way that she did the push and pull with Theo and Noel, again, it was just you know when there's enemies or rivals to lovers and there's always the one character you're kind of you're not necessarily not rooting for them but you're like oh they're kind of annoying 
Yeah. I never had that feeling. Like I oh. always felt like there's going to be a redemption for both of these characters. And I thought that Jessica Joyce did that really, really well. Wow. Um, I didn't have any, yeah, I was ready for both of them to just get over their crap right away and fall in love. I was like, what is going on? Paul is adorable and he wants you together. And so do I. <laughs> well, that's quite an endorsement yes. with a view. Um, yes. I definitely am going to add that to my, actually it was already on my to read list, but I think I'm going to move it up. I think you should. I highly recommend reading You with a View by Jessica Joyce. It came out this year from Berkeley. Excellent. All right. So Liz, where are we going on our journey of our favorites of 2023? Well, first, I'd like to preface um, my choices by saying that my top three romance picks of the year happened to also be published in 2023. So just Ooh. to let everyone know that was not a prerequisite was that the book had to have released in 2023, just that we read it this year. But I actually picked three books that were released this year. And, and actually, so did I. So I guess I, I yeah, was, that's just dumb luck. <laughs> I, well, you know, it's a comfort to know that that many great books are being released mm -hmm. within the year that we found so many favorites. 2023 was an absolutely terrible year for me personally. So it was great to have a successful bookish year as a reader. So this is um, hope that next year, 2024, I will have both a successful and beautiful 2024 personally and uh, as a reader. So uh, here's looking towards the future. Yes. But my first pick Hello, Stranger by New York Times bestselling author Catherine Center. I don't, did you read this? Uh, I, it, is, uh, it was my book of the month pick earlier this year when it came out. I have not gotten to it yet. And it's not because of Catherine Center. I love her other books um, and I'm looking forward to reading it. It's just life. <laughs> OK, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. So Hello, Stranger, uh, published by St. Martin's Press in July 2023. Main character Sadie is a portrait artist who develops post-surgery face blindness or prosopagnosia shortly before painting her entry for the North American Portrait Society. Oh, so, no. yeah, so she actually sees people's faces almost like a Picasso painting where the facial um, attribute- So like the, the nose might be where the mouth is and vice versa? Right. Everything is scrambled. So it's hard to decipher what a person looks like. That's essentially what she's experiencing. Um, so not, not a good thing to happen right before you have to paint a portrait. At this point, two men walk into her life that she's crushing on, her mm. beloved dog's veterinarian, and her charming downstairs neighbor- who she's not very fond of, at least at first. Ooh. And oh, no, I really I'm already torn. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And I can't really say much more, except that there is a happily ever after, of course. In seeing less clearly, Sadie is actually able to gain clarity in her life. So there's a strong, you could almost argue that there is a bit of a crossover between women's fiction and romance in this, in this rom-com. Two things of note. Because Sadie is unable to distinguish facial features, she begins noticing other attractive qualities about the romantic prospects in her life. So Ooh, what I, I thought this. was, what was that? I love this. <laughs> yes. So what I thought was really cool is that Sadie notices about the veterinarian, his gait 
or his manner of walking as just revealing so much about his personality that is attractive to her. And I actually spoke with Catherine Center mm-hmm. about Hello Stranger on Reader Seeks Romance. And we talked about finding other things uh, attractive. And I believe we both agreed on the forearms. Um, yes. You know, as far as not, you know, not having to do with your face, forearms yes. are sexy. So um, that was an interesting kind of perspective because usually we read a lot about, oh, you know, uh, the, the beautiful eyes and the bone structure and uh, what jawbone to cut glass is something yes. I, yes. I've read a lot about, you know. Um, so I thought it was really interesting, you know, because you're not looking at the face, you're looking at other attributes. And then there is a scene that is so intimate and filled with sexual tension that I still think of, it reminds me of the Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, sensual touching hands as they make oh, part scene in the movie Ghost. Yeah. Ooh. So um, Sadie ends up painting one of her crushes, her neighbor, Joe. Okay. And she touches his face. So that way she can kind of figure out like where everything is. So she could paint him appropriately and accurately. And it is a long scene, but it's like, it's very sensual and very sexy. And it's like almost sexier than kissing like this. scene. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Well, hello. Hello, stranger by Catherine (laughs) Center. Read it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I think it just moved up my TBR list because I like, and and I mean, we've talked about forearms a lot on the show, which yes. is why I love the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like the idea of paying attention to things other than, yeah. you know, the, the obvious facial features and stuff. And I, the gate, I never thought about it, but now I'm going to be paying attention to, I'm yeah. going to like call my husband out and be like, hey, walk around a minute. <laughs> walk around, make it sexy. <laughs> So, oh, so, so thank you for giving me that segue into me mentioning the book title once more. So I can, hey, yeah, that was, that that's was why I'm here. <laughs> that's perfect. Okay. Well, uh, what do we have next, Libby? Okay. What we have next is a repeat author for me. I think I mentioned Kat Sebastian in a pre, well, I know I did. Why am I acting like I don't know what I talk about? Don't play coy. <laughs> we know. You might have heard me talk about Kat Sebastian before. Um, So the one I'm going to gush about is We Could Be So Good. This came out in June of this year from Avon. And I have probably recommended this book um, too much because I've actually recommended it to the same friend like three times. And she actually sent me a picture of her library book. And she said, you can stop mentioning this now. So... (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So I am... a name for that level of like reader stalking or like book stalking. I, I mean, it's an obsession. It's just, and I can't, I, when I was on my notes for this, I could, I was trying to pinpoint, cause I don't want to give anything away with this, but I wanted to pinpoint like the field. And um, I mean, it does have some of my favorite, I mean, I love all the tropes, but it has some of my favorite tropes. It, it's considered a rom drum because there's a few poignant okay. moments where I'm like, oh, um, yeah. it's definitely like a friend slash coworkers to lovers. Um, and it's, uh, I was looking on Avon's site and they described it as a mid-century grumpy sunshine. And that's the perfect way, um, because it takes place in the fifties and I think early sixties. It was also described as Casey McQuiston's, um, meets the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. 
And so Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey is one of my favorite books from a few years ago. Um, and I actually thought that the adaptation was really fantastic on Amazon. We could have oh. a show of just me talking about how even though it didn't follow the book exactly, it kept the key parts that I liked. But that's a conversation for later because I could literally talk about that for an hour. Um, but And I love Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. That might be my favorite Taylor Jenkins read book. So I had already picked up this book before I realized those are the descriptions and that's why I read it as fast as I did. So anyway, the general premise is we have Nick who has worked for um, the same newspaper for a few years. He's from a rough and tumble neighborhood in Brooklyn and uh, he loves being a reporter and he loves pushing the envelope with what he reports on. The owner of the uh, of the uh, newspaper, his son, Andy, works with Nick and Andy's a little bit aloof and he, he comes across at the beginning as a little bit naive and kind of, not dumb, but he's kind of like, oh, Andy. And so uh, this, I don't want to give anything away with this, but obviously there's going to it's a romance. So they're going to get together. But the way that um, Kat Sebastian wrote, you know, Nick's background and how. And again, and the history of how you couldn't be out and about or out and proud or any of yeah. that in the 50s, talking about what he was up against, just living his life, first of all, get a box of tissues, and then Andy and how he finds himself personally and professionally. There's a lot of soul searching going on on both sides. But the way that they are written, the way that they fall in love is just beautiful. And I... I I've enjoyed Cat Sebastian's books in the past, but there was just something about this one that just stuck with me. And I don't want to give away any certain scenes, but there are moments where I was like, oh, like it just, it just guts me. And um, it is just beautifully written. And um, the historic part of it was nice. And I liked, it was one of those, and I think I've mentioned this before. I like when a historical romance does just enough research to get you in the time period, but not enough that you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to skip this chapter because I don't care about the history of newspapers in the turn of the century. Um, you will in this case, it's very good. So right. uh, that is my rambling recommendation for We Could Be So Good by Kat Sebastian. I think if you have any taste for um, a historical romance yeah. or just anything that's a little bit on the, and I don't want to say it was sad, but there were sad moments, but yeah. it was just so it was just so good. It was beautifully written and it was just perfect. I have to read it so that we could talk about it. Yes, please. Or otherwise, I'll just have to keep sending you requests to read it so we can <laughs> talk about it. And then you'll send me a picture like, leave me alone. <laughs> I imagine you've got like five restraining orders on you that you're yeah. not revealing. <laughs> I know at this point, I should get paid for this type of bullying to read books. <laughs> I'll reach out to pay- the publisher. <laughs> you could be a paid book bully. Yeah. <laughs> Hired by, by publishers to go out and bully people. Just hiding in dark alleys, like, hey, here, I got to tell you about a book. <laughs> I like that idea. I do too, actually, and I'm envisioning it. But anyway, <laughs> what delightful romance do you have next to tell us about? Because I'm well, excited. I have a book that you loved too. Yay, which one is it? <laughs> Heated Rivalry by Canadian yes! romance author Rachel Reed. Yes. <laughs> I'll try to contain myself and not talk over you. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's interesting because you know, I, I specified Canadian because there's a lot of Canadian romance authors writing romances set in Canada that I feel people aren't necessarily finding. Yes. So I wanna... And actually, we're reading one this month for book club. I think they're Canadian or at least it takes place in Canada. What book are we reading? Oh, yes. That's right. Hol- yeah. Yes. I, just, sorry, um, yeah. I think that one author is from I think they're both from Canada. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely set in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you can cut that part out. I couldn't remember where. Yeah. No, they are both. They are both from Canada, actually. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, So. um, Okay. So Heat of Rivalry is book two in the Game Changers series. It is a male, male queer hockey romance published by Karina Press in 2023. As you know, because we've talked about Heated Rivalry, Mm -hmm. you selected this book for our online After Dark book club. And I was absolutely riveted to the page. Oh my God, it is such a page turner. Heated Rivalry is an enemies to lovers romance between famous rival hockey players, Shane and Ilya. They have a secret sexual relationship over the course of, I don't know, is it like 10 years or something that they mentioned? Yeah, at the end of Earth, because there's two, the second one, it's at that point, it's been a decade. Okay, yeah. So we're, so, we're years, years. It's a, right. So it's over the course of like 10 years, which is covered in the novel, but don't worry, it's not like 600 pages. It's 375 highly consumable pages. You're going to wish it was 600 pages. <laughs> you're going to, no, seriously, you're going to wish. Casual sex between Shane and Ilya turns into a love like no other. But if they come out as gay and as lovers, being their fans all know them to be rivals, Shane and Ilya fear for their careers. Rachel Reed so beautifully shares the couple's struggle between playing the sport they were born to play and living and loving out loud. Rachel Reed does a fantastic job of developing Shane and Ilya's character arcs throughout the novel, each of them falling for the other more deeply. And the ending is, I would say, happily for now. Would mm-hmm. you say it was happy? For, right. Because yeah. then there is a, but it's very satisfying. The ending of that book is satisfying. Yeah. But their romance journey continues in a second book in the Game Changers series called The Long Game, which I did not read because I hold off. I am one of those delayed gratification readers who loves having that fantastic read to look forward to. So I have not read book two, but you have. And, you and can, I yes. I envy the fact that you haven't yet because I have to tell you, and I did not know this was one of your picks, I swear. I know uh, you didn't. I we keep them have, secret from each other. I know, yes. and that's part of the fun. I literally, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was working on some edits and I usually don't, the backstory that no one cares about, I usually don't read new things if I'm like really in it for an um, editing moment. Like I can't, my brain can't handle new information. Yeah. I don't know if that's unique to me or all writers, but I ended up as a comfort read, reread the both of them. And they, I, I still, there were things I didn't catch the first reads that I was like, oh, I forgot about this or, oh my God, how did I miss that? And they, and I, don't, I won't say a darn thing about it because I don't want to ruin it, but they are both like the ending of the second one, you're right. It, it's not a cliffhanger in the sense that, you know, you, I don't want to say anything else, but it is a very satisfying ending for the second one. And it is even more satisfying with how the second one wraps up um, the story. And I just saw something online the other day and I haven't found it yet. I guess Rachel Reed has something online with like a a bonus, bonus epilogue um, after the other one. So now I have to scour the internet and find that because any little tidbit I can find is just fabulous. I just, Shane and Elia are probably my, and I why the hell didn't I use that as my book? Probably because I talk about it so much. I feel like I've already mentioned you already, it. You know, it's funny when I picked it, I said, gee, I wonder if Libby is going to pick it. I said, well, you know what? We could just double down on it if that if that's the case. They are the most memorable lovers of 2023 for me. Yes. It felt authentic and it felt 
And, and it wasn't just like, Ooh, this is sexy. It was like, I was like getting emotional at some points. Like, Oh my yeah. God, they really love each other. It's just, Oh God. Yeah. I love that book. <laughs> Absolutely. I highly recommend heated rivalry by Rachel Reed. Two thumbs up over here as well. So, okay. So what else do you have for us? Libby? Okay. Well, the only man that could potentially beat out best book boyfriend of the year over Shane and Elia is Will from my last pick of the episode, which is Practice Makes Perfect by Sarah Adams. Practice Makes Perfect came out in May of this year from Random House. And it is the second book in the When in Rome series, which I, you don't need to read them in order to get the most out of it. However, you're going to want to read the first one because it was fabulous. Um, and it kind of sets the the setting because it's it says Rome, but it's Rome, Kentucky. So get all of those pasta you know, oh. <laughs> thoughts out of your head. It's Rome, Kentucky, which is actually just charming. And I love one of the reasons I love this book is that Sarah Adams makes Rome, Kentucky, which I don't even know if it's real. I should have done my research on this, but it, it makes it a character in the book. Like you want to go to Rome, Kentucky, just to see if the people are as sweet and meddling and crazy as they are in the book because um it was just fabulous uh, it does exist it does exist road trip <laughs> yeah rome is an unincorporated community in davies county kentucky all right well we need to go immediately and find the flower shop and then we can just geek out or i'll um, geek out you can watch so um so yeah so but Rome, Kentucky is a lovely character in this story. It has all the tropes you're wanting. It has the fake dating slash practice boyfriend, girlfriend, which, oh my God. I, it's, I love tropes that in real life would make no sense, but in books, I just literally eat up with a spoon and I can't get enough. The practice boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't come across that much. Yes. And it's all, and I actually just read another one. Um, I can't remember the name, but Stephanie Archer wrote it. And it was the same thing where it was like the quiet book nerd or, well, she's a flower nerd, flower nerd sort of thing. Sure. Uh, flower nerd. <laughs> but it it had, you know, the reserved uh, girl and then the guy who on the outside is getting all these chicks and, oh, he's a, you know, what did they say? say chick magnet back, back yeah. in the day. Like, I don't know if you still call them chick magnets, but I liked that vibe and I love, and I think that's what made Will so likable as a character is it's not, I'm not saying that it's not a situation of what you see is what you get, but there's definitely more uh, behind the tattoos. We all know I'm a fan of tattoos and books oh. or in real life, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but the premise of this is um, Annie is the main character. She is the sister of Noah, who is the hero in the first book. And the love interest, Will, is the bodyguard of Amelia, who is Annie's almost sister-in-law. And he is back in Rome, Kentucky, because they're planning a wedding for the couple from book one, Noah and Amelia. So Annie is Noah's sister, and she's the youngest. And they have two other sisters who kind of rule the roost, for lack of a better metaphor. And Annie owns a flower shop. Um, in their mother's memory it used to be hers and the thing that I liked about this is Annie you could tell in the first book you know they set her she was kind of set up as the meek one but you could tell there was something else going on there yeah. and Annie is tired of being you know the meek one the quiet sister the one that no one takes seriously and uh, she sees Will as this you know he's a he's a bodyguard and he obviously comes across as fearless and she is feels like she is not getting dates because she's utterly forgettable and she must be doing something wrong and so will agrees reluctantly of course to help her with some practice dates and to kind of get her confidence up so she can yeah. go out and meet the man of her dreams because annie wants to settle down and spoiler alert will says he doesn't so that is always uh -huh. a basis for good stuff in my opinion 
So I don't want to give away any more of the plot, but of course, um, because it's a romance, they're, you know, the faking it is going to start to feel real. And uh, the benefit of reading these books in order is if you do read one in Rome, there is a touching moment um, of those characters uh, at the wedding that I think added to it having read their story to begin with. But I also think you could read it and completely be fine with not, you're not going to miss anything. Okay. Uh, but it was the writing, the pacing, the banter, um, watching Annie come into her own was just so much fun. And there is just something about Will. And I've seen, I've talked to other readers and I've seen things online. Um, Will Griffin apparently is a lot of other people's book boyfriends of the year because he's just the whole package. Like I could go, good God. I'm excited about this book because I love the whole practice dating thing. Yes. I I love that. Is that what that trope is called? I mean, that's what I would think. I mean, it it has the fake element because outwardly they're not saying that they're practicing. And the character of right. Rome really comes through with the the townspeople and the, the neighbors kind of nibbing in people's business. So, right, right. So um, it's, it's like a, a sub niche of fake dating. It's like fake dating, practice. Yes, exactly. Dating, pra- practice girlfriend, boyfriend. Yeah, you know. Practice I think we just made it an official trope right here. <laughs> I think so. I, I love that. I love that. Would that almost be part of kissing lessons trope? I've heard oh, it mentioned before. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, oh, teach me how to be yeah, desirable kind of the, or, you know. Yeah, teach yeah. me how to be sexy. Yeah, I would definitely say that this yeah. is under that umbrella for sure. Yeah. So that is my uh, final pick of the of my favorites of this year. So again, Practice Makes Perfect by Sarah Adams. It's from Random House and came out in the spring of this year. It was fabulous. So Liz, I've gone on enough about my book obsessions. Who is your final favorite of 2023? It's a paranormal romance. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. All right, what is Mm -hmm. it? Dark Passion, and that's D-A-R-K-E, Dark Mm -hmm. Passion, book one in Rosanna Leo's Dark Paranormal Investigations series, Published by indie romance publisher Totally Bound in March 2023. I'd like to note that Rosanna Leo, like Rachel Reed, is a Canadian romance author. So two of my three favorite romances written by Canadian romance authors, you do the math. (laughs) I could read, seriously, a hundred more dark paranormal investigations romances. I really, really loved it. This is what I call a paranormal romance for Libby K. A oh. li- yes, a Libby PNR, if you will. So oh, this is please. a Libby PNR pick. And the reason being, there are paranormal happenings and supernatural abilities with relatable characters living and working in a real world setting. Okay, you sold me already. <laughs> okay, so I feel as if this is your, like, this is made for Libby K. Yes. To read. It's not that I don't like paranormals, but they're never my go-tos. I get, I feel like I get bogged down in the world building or something. Yeah, no, this is not like that. Edwina Dark, D-A-R-K-E, which is why it's called Dark Paranormal Investigations. Edwina is a techie. Her sister, Susanna, is a historian. And Addie is a psychic. They run Dark Paranormal Investigations, which helps people to investigate and to send away unwanted ghostly visitors from their houses and businesses. 
They record their experiences and air them on their popular YouTube channel. When the sisters are hired to investigate aggressive paranormal disturbances at a B&B in Ontario, Canada, specifically Mm -hmm. Niagara-on-the-Lake, sparks fly between Edwina and the B&B co-owner, Simon. You know, I love we love innkeepers on this show. <laughs> we do. See, everything about this screams Libby K must read me. Yes. <laughs> so both Edwina and Simon carry around emotional baggage from their last relationships and aren't interested in going down that road again at this point in their lives. But their attraction to each other is too strong to resist. While exploring the B&B, the sisters find clues and interact with spirits that reveal a love story between a couple torn apart during the War of 1812, which personally I did not know touched Canada at all. Uh, Did you know that there was... No. Yeah, I didn't know that. Dark Passion is a compelling page turner with a deeply satisfying ending to to all stories that are brought up <laughs> to to uh, Edwina and Simon's story, to the ghost story. You said there's a sister. Does she get a book later in the series? So here's the thing. I already downloaded book two, which is Dark Music. And that's okay. about Susanna, the historian sister. And then oh. the third book about Addie, who's a psychic, that comes out in early 2024. Oh, cool. I like that there's three sisters. Oh, yay. yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a trilogy. Rosanna Leo is a skilled storyteller who has mastered the perfect paranormal to romance ratio in Dark Passion. And her portrayal of paranormal phenomena imbues the novel with an air of spine tingling authenticity. I like that there's two love stories and I like that there's like a little bit of paranormal, but also history. I don't know. I'm intrigued for sure. And you know me, that's not usually the case with paranormal. Yes, I know. And that's another reason I picked it is because I wanted to appeal to other paranormal romance readers like yourself. Mm -hmm. My pick, but I did truly love it. I highly recommend Dark Passion by Rosanna Leo. Uh, I feel like we had a really good list this week. (laughs) We did. And it was difficult to hold back on a few of these because I wanted to, you know, we want to give new book recs each time. So we have to hold off in certain ones because we know we want to mention them later on at a future recording. So, uh, yeah. Libby and I are excited to welcome Kelly Olert, author of Let's Get Quizzical, published by Alcove Press, October 2023. Thank you for joining us, Kelly. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. So let's dig right in, Kelly. Please tell us about the second chance love story in Let's Get Quizzical. Yeah, so um, Eli and Charlotte uh, were high school sweethearts, and they got kind of torn apart by circumstances and are brought back together unexpectedly when they get paired together as teammates on a trivia game show. And they're not on the best of terms when they get brought together, so it's a little bit of that enemies to lovers type vibe at first. Um, And then, you know, they have their second chance as they're working to compete together on this game show. What inspired Let's Get Quizzical most? Your love of trivia or your love of TV game shows? So I don't actually watch that many TV game shows. Every once in a while I will. I'm more of like a pub trivia fan. 
We really ah. enjoy going to um, bars and playing some pub trivia there, but I can't claim to be good at it. I'm actually terrible at it. And we almost <laughs> always lose unless there's only one or two other teams there, in which case, mm-hmm. hey, we get that third place gift card. Uh, <laughs> so so we're, we're really not great at it, but who says you have to be great at the things you enjoy, right? As long as you're having fun. That's right. <laughs> now, uh, me and Libby actually have done trivia nights in Columbus, Ohio together with our husbands. And funny enough, we have come in third place, I think, a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't even gotten any gifts, I don't think. We never got a no, gift card or anything. So the joy of coming in third. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, <laughs> bragging rights. Yeah. <laughs> when you have done trivia nights, what have you found to be the category that you get the most right in? Like, what's your strength? Well, oddly enough, my weakness is the literature. (laughs) (laughs) Other questions are always about classic literature, which I read absolutely none of. I just can't do it. So I'm like, great. I, I love contemporary romances, of course. I read tons and tons of those because it's the genre that I write in. I also really like reading epic fantasies, um, but that's not what they ask questions about when they ask bookish questions. But everybody's like, you're the author and immediately turns to me expecting me to have the answers. And I'm like, don't, don't do that. You can't rely on me for these because I don't know any of them. The only time I have gotten a literature question, right? And I knew it, it was about a classic book. And I only recognized it because it was so ingrained in my memory because I hated the book so much because I was forced to read it in high school. And I was like, I know this because I used it to put myself to sleep when I was having trouble sleeping at night in high school. Do you remember what book it was? It was To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. <laughs> yeah, I, I can get And that. I would never, ever say something like that about a you know, like living author. Now you said you don't really watch, you didn't grow up like watching game shows, right? I mean, like, so I included in the book, like sick day nostalgia, because I think everybody watches some sort of game yes. show when you're sick. sick. That Absolutely. was, that was like just a thing. Everybody, especially a lot of um, like the price is right. Everybody watches mm-hmm. that a lot right. when they're sick. I think that's, that feels like a fairly universal experience to me. So yeah. I wanted to kind of play on that nostalgia. So I talk about that a little bit in the book and in um, yeah. Charlotte's relationship with her grandmother that she used to, you know, do those on her sick days with her grandma. Um, so I include that in there. And then, um, I mean, I've watched, you know, a little bit of Jeopardy and Family yeah. Feud and um, right. all those types of things. And my family right now is really into America Says, but I've got a bone to pick with them because so I went home and visited my family Yeah. Um, and I was staying with my parents and we're watching right. the show and I got a couple questions, right? Like I was able to fill in a couple blanks yes. that they weren't filling in and they're like, oh. We might have to actually consider you for the team. And I'm like, excuse me, what, what is this? And they're like, well, yeah, we always talk about what our, our team would be. And, you know, it's the two of us and your brothers. And I was like, I, I don't make the cut. I don't make the cut for the team. I was not even a consideration for this. So my own family, despite me having written a trivia book, has ousted me from their team trivia team. Oh, oh, I love that. I love I that. I love family dynamics. <laughs> oh my God. And you write it really well in Let's Get Quizzical too. Um, America Says is actually my favorite modern, you know, uh, game show. That it was one I would watch with my parents when I would go home. And then 
a couple of times just channel flipping. I've told my husband, oh, just stop, just stop. Look, let's watch it. And man, you know, it seems easy, but it's not always that easy. Like it seems like, oh, oh, I could do this. Just fill in the blanks, right? But you have to guess which word, the, more than one word could really fit. So yeah. uh, yes. Um, well, you know what? If I was going to gather together people to be a, on a team for America Says, I will contact you, Kelly. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then we can just rub it in my family's face. That oh, yeah. Well, we <laughs> at need least to I play make somebody's team. <laughs> we need to play them. We need to be the team opposing them. And really, we'll show them. And uh, now, Libby, do you watch any game shows now or did you back in the day? Like, what are your favorites? I mean, back in the day, um, as soon as you said the nostalgia, I thought of Price is Right, Bob Barker yeah. and the Little Microphone um, and Family Feud, like going back a million years. And then my husband and I, when we first moved in together, we had a weird cable package where we had like the basic cable. This was like 20 years ago. Okay. And then it was um, like the top 10 channels in the hundreds and it had game show network. And so we watched like all yeah. the old game shows from the seventies, like match game and all that stuff and the pyramid. And so like, I have not watched anything recently, but like I'm having like all these like flashbacks to game show network times like 20 years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. They they were, I have a lot of fond memories of watching uh, game shows. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So the research for let's get quizzical must've been fun or, or not. I don't know. You could tell me what resources did you use? I mean, did you break out some encyclopedias? Like, where did you go? Because <laughs> there's a lot of trivial facts in the book. So the internet was my my friend for this one. Okay. Um, did a lot of online research for it. And every time, I, I really think it's the trivia fun facts that make the book unique mm -hmm. and special. Because there's so many rom-coms out there. And I absolutely love so many rom-coms. But um, I wanted something that would have like a slightly different vibe. And, you yeah. know, put my own little spin on it. And I think the fact that I included so many trivia fun facts and you could read this and then, you know, the next day you're at a dinner party and the conversation lulls and you've got this completely off the wall, random fun fact to throw out there about <laughs> pink bunnies and the battery companies that fought over them. Um, you know, I love that you can have those kind of party anecdotes taken away from this book in addition to it being an enjoyable rom-com. So that's, that's what I truly love about the book. Um, but the research itself for it. So there's the trivia questions that are included in the game show, of course, where they're saying, mm -hmm. you know, asking the questions and answering. But um, Charlotte, the main character, she kind of thinks in trivia. So a lot of her inner monologue has trivia fun facts slipped in throughout. So the challenge was to find ways to naturally incorporate those fun facts and come up with fun mm -hmm. facts that would make sense for her to be thinking of in the moment. And because I am not a super trivia buff, it was very difficult to research because I would have to be like, you know, she's she's thinking about how fast her heart rate is going or something. So now I need to search for fun facts about fast things and then just find something that I found interesting that I could tie in there. So it was a really difficult thing to research because I'm looking for a trivia facts that will tie in with something kind of obscure so Got that it. it can flow naturally. The amount of fun facts that are in there was something where like, I thought that, you know, I had put so much research into it and I thought I had just put tons of them in there. And then I had critique partners go through the book and read it. And they were like, this is great. 
it needs about 10 times more uh, trivia fun facts in there because they're, they're the best part. You absolutely need more in there. Like, okay. So I went through and I did a big edit and I added tons and tons more trivia fun facts. And then it went to my agent. My agent read it and was like, this is great. It needs more fun facts. <laughs> okay. So I added more, send it to my editor at the publishing house. This is great. It needs more fun facts. So it feels like it is just bursting at the seams with these fun facts. Couldn't cram another fun fact in there if you tried. On Romance Roundup, Kelly, as you know, we share book recs. Which romances did you read in 2023 that you absolutely must recommend? So I tried not to overthink this too much because I am one of those people who is not real... Um, critical of books that I read. I like to just, when I'm reading books for enjoyment, I like to enjoy them. So I tend to like, be like five star best book ever to like 50 (laughs) books a year. Uh, (laughs) So, so I really tried to not overthink this and and just pick a handful of favorites, but um, one of them has to be, do I know you by Emily, Emily Wiberly and Austin Sigmund Broca. They're absolutely brilliant. I've read about their process and how they actually like sit together and pick apart every line. And that is just wild to me because I could have never done that. And um, gosh, does the brilliance of their writing really show that they take that care and time in that process? Because I just think that their writing is absolutely phenomenal. And I adored that book so much. Could you give us a little bit about what the story is about? It's a marriage in trouble trope. Okay. And so they are a married couple that was having some trouble. And so they decide to pretend they go off on this like vacation to try to resolve their relationship. And while they're on vacation, they decide to pretend they've never met. So they're trying to kind of like role play, like they're meeting each other for the first time. And they've got like confident confidence in like some other travelers that they've just met. And it's, it's, it's so good. That's a great recommendation. Oh. <laughs> Do you have any others? Yeah. Um, another one that I have thought about a lot this year has been um, Honey and Spice by, I'm going to hopefully pronounce the name right, Bolu Babalola. As I was reading it, I was like, I don't know if I'm smart enough to be reading this because it is just like, <laughs> it's it's so smart. She yeah. It's so intelligently written. Like they're very witty and just brilliant characters. This one I read at the very beginning of the year. So it's been like a year. So I'm not in a good place to give you a great summary of what it was about. But I will say it's one of the ones that like has stuck with me a little bit more in the like, wow, that was just a really well done book. Um, so yeah, that was a good one as well. The The third one that I jotted down was um, I have had some Sarah Adams books sitting on my shelf for a long time and hadn't had a chance to read any of hers yet. And then I read one and then I read them all because I think that her writing is just fantastic mm-hmm. as well. It's just that very like light, fun, you cannot help but smile the entire time you're reading it and you just get all the warm fuzzies. The one that first hooked me was the cheat sheet. Um, I was yes. on a big friends to lovers kick. And um, so like I had read like, Josh and Hazel, Funny Feelings, and then the cheat sheet all like back to back. And they all have these like quirky heroines and friends to lovers. And it was just really hitting the sweet spot for me. (laughs) I love Sarah Adams. She's an author I discovered this year and I am so glad, like cannot stop reading her. (laughs) Well, how fitting that Kelly mentions Sarah's work and then you're going to go on to talk (laughs) more in this episode. 
Well, actually, by the time this aired, we will have already spoken about Sarah. Oh, yeah. Well, whoops. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized that. But that's okay. The magic of editing. Have you any other recommendations before we wrap this up? Mm, I think that's, I'll, I'll stick with those because if I Excellent. get on a roll, then I'll yeah. you know, spout yeah. off a good no, video. I, <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing. You are a delight, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for making time to join us here on Romance Roundup. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And if anybody's looking to find me, my website is kellyolert.com and I am on all the things, Twitter, all of Twitter's 8 million new potential replacements, Instagram, TikTok as Kelly Olert. And that's our roundup. Listen and subscribe to Romance Roundup on Podbean and all podcast apps. Watch Romance Roundup on Reader Seeks Romance Channel and subscribe on YouTube. Thanks for joining us, Romance readers. Happy reading, everyone. 